Hi, and thank you for listening to Next Level Medical Assisting. Uh, This podcast is all about medical assisting and how we can be better, more efficient, and more patient-oriented. It will be positive and supportive, bringing together medical assistants and other clinical staff to be able to lightheartedly discuss medical assisting and related areas while exchanging ideas for how to be a better MA, such as compassion, detail-orientedness, staying professional, avoiding complacency, etc. There will be no politics or controversial topics here. Now for the legal stuff, the views and opinions stored and shared in this podcast are my own and are not endorsed by or representative of my employer. In addition, I am not a licensed medical professional approved to give medical advice. The information in this podcast is not in any way intended to be medical advice. Always seek the help of your physician or another qualified medical professional for any medical questions or concerns. Hello and welcome back to Next Level Medical Assisting with me, Zach, your host. Thank you for joining me again today. Uh, This is uh, part two of of customer service and healthcare. So I wasn't going to make, uh, I wasn't originally going to make a customer service and healthcare two-part series, but it's so important to me that after I recorded recorded the first part, I I realized that there was so much more that I didn't get to talk about. In the last episode, the focus was mainly around how to communicate with patients after inconvenience had already happened. But if we are able to practice excellent customer service all the time, then it will minimize the amount of issues that do arise. And so this also ties into the previous episode regarding communication as how we interact and communicate with the patient is the definition of customer service. That's 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 the whole concept here, how we're interacting with them. Our goal should be to not only assist the patient, but to take initiative to go above and beyond the basics of their request. And that's that's the whole idea, you know, just doing what they're asking is one thing. We're going to do it with a smile on our face, and we're going to go above a little a uh, little bit above and beyond if there's anything else that we can do. And this applies to every single staff member in the clinic. So, for instance, if there's a screener at the door for COVID reasons and a patient arrives that looks like they might benefit from a wheelchair, the screener could be aware of this and offer to grab a wheelchair for them, uh, assuming it doesn't take away from their primary job and, and or cause delays with other patients. Or they could briefly step away to uh, advise or ask another staff member to please bring a wheelchair. You know, another another example would be for the screener or the front desk to offer water to the patients waiting in the waiting room, uh, assuming there are, are no other patients waiting to check in. And so I know, you know, the front desk has other things to do, but this is the whole idea of going the extra mile. So the concept is to be proactive in thinking about what can be done as a courtesy to the patient, even something very small that would make a difference. So to give an example of this in a different field, uh, in grocery stores, often they have policies that when a customer asks where an item is located, that the staff member personally escort them to the location to ensure that they are able to find it. I think this policy is fantastic. I think it's great. And it should, it, it, it really, I think, um, you know, it makes a lot of the customers happy. Uh, and, and, you know, whether if they don't want them to go, then they can request that they not attend. But, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's a it's it's an idea it is to go the extra mile. But my dream would be that an official policy wouldn't be necessary and that staff would do this simply as a natural act of service. And that they just they're doing this because that's what they truly want to do. And they want to show the customer the, the best, you know, next level service and do anything they can for them. Unfortunately, I have also noticed that uh, commonly the grocery store staff uh, would they would 
offer to escort the customer, but it's often done in a tone that is conspicuously that conspicuously insinuates that really that they would rather not. But in an ideal world, they would not only insist on walking with them to their location, but they would do it with a smile and engage the patient or the customer in casual conversation while doing so, as well as asking if there's anything else that they are looking for, any other way that they can assist them. Now, it's a fact that this will draw the worker away from what they are doing and ultimately delay them and cause more work. But I can assure you that any proper manager or management would not look down for it and likely would positively recognize them for it and be grateful for how they treated the customer. And it can be so difficult to see that at the time, but the effect this will have on the customer's customer's, uh, interaction with the company customer's overall view of the staff, the store, and the, and the company is instant and long-lasting, even if it's not evident right away. Now imagine that every single employee in that store approaches every customer interaction in this way. So that would just be fantastic in an ideal situation. The type of environment that this would create would have a beneficial impact on the overall attitudes and personalities of the staff and the customers. In addition, the amount of positive reviews and satisfaction surveys, referrals and returning customers really would be significant because even if only a small fraction of them did that, if you were treating every customer that way, you know, the amount of those reviews and, and referrals and, and, and good uh, word of mouth really would go up because you're treating every customer that same way. I've met a lot of MAs that are highly patient-oriented and are always finding ways to give the best service. They are true inspirations and awesome examples of how we should all act. Now, it's been a long time since I've been in, in MA school, but I do I do precept MA externs, and in the past, I've attended advisory board uh, meetings for an MA school. And from what I understand, these, these training programs offer very little, if any, lessons on customer service. I don't necessarily blame them, They have a lot of information that is required to be taught in a relatively short period of time. However, I do feel strongly that it is so easy to get absorbed in what we do every day. It's not uncommon for us to get overwhelmed with our workload on a regular basis and going the extra mile or giving the next level service really is far from our minds. We're just trying to make it through the day. This is the time when it's most important to bring it to the forefront. You know, the, the key to this during the course of the clinic day is time management. This is another aspect of what we do that isn't covered to any extent in school and does not come naturally to a lot of people. By management of our time, it'll ideally allow us more time to be able to give better service, understanding that it'll still, you know, cause more work and be uh, somewhat of an inconvenience for us. I think that's just kind of a given. That's why we're in the service industry, because, you know, we're, we want to give extra service, even if it's not the easiest thing to do. Proper management of our time affects our ability to give next level service and that being efficient enough to manage whatever is going on throughout the day smoothly directly affects how much time we have to give the attention to the patients that we are striving to give them. I like to think that there are several levels of priority when it comes to my time. First is that the provider's time comes first, almost always, with rare exception. If the provider is waiting for me to do something before he can get started, such as room a patient, do an EKG, ear lavage, or some other order, then I focus on that. 
I make a point of updating and informing any patients that may be waiting for me and apologize for the delay. You know, keep them informed, let them know what's going on. You know, I can only do one thing at a time. I'm only one man, but the least I can do is take a moment to update them and let them know, hey, we haven't forgot about you and I'm sorry about the delay and they can make any decisions about their time from that point forward. Second, the patients that have already waited the longest should be next, uh, if, if possible. There are a few factors here to consider though. One of them is, is there a patient that may not have been waiting the longest, but the, you are able to accommodate and assist very quickly so they don't have to wait any longer than necessary for the simple tasks. So something that you can get done relatively quickly in a short period of time to get the patient on their way and while minimizing the amount of time that the other patient that's been waiting already has to has to further wait. This could be maybe making a copy of something or whatever it may be. If you're not sure, then you should ask them to wait because you don't want to postpone the other person who's been waiting longer any 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 further. The other one is is one of the patients that's waiting a person who has recently been inconvenienced by your company. Uh, they would generally be bumped up in priority since we are trying to make up for any issues that have already happened and want to make sure they, they know that they are being taken care of. As you work with a specific provider over a period of time, you will come to be able to guesstimate what may be happening in the room that the provider is, is currently in at that time, as well as approximately how long it may take for them to get through certain visits or patients or procedures. You know, you just kind of get an idea of this over time and working with them. Obviously, it's not an exact, but you can get a rough idea. Sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right, but it gives you an idea. Even without this knowledge, you can still do your best to estimate how much time you may have. An example of a situation like this may be if you have a patient number one in an exam room and the provider just went in with them. Then patient two, number two checks in 15 to 20 minutes early, but just prior to patient two, you had an issue come up with a third patient, patient three that they are waiting for you to address. This could say be an earlier patient that had another question before they left, another patient that walked into the clinic asking for help, a patient that had called and is expecting a call urgently back or something that a co-worker needs help with. So since you have time before patient two, there tends, uh, since, since you have time before patient two needs to be ready for the provider, it's tempting to address patient three and then room patient two after that. Appropriate time management would actually be to let patient three know you have to take care of patient two first, but you, you will be right with them as soon as you can. And then room patient two early. Even if, even if rooming patient two takes up all the extra time you would have had, when you are done with them, even if the provider is coming out of the first room, it's still appropriate to let patient one know you'll be with them as soon as possible and then go speak with patient three. If you find that patient three's concern is time consuming or will take more time than you have, you can hear them out, find out the details of what they're asking and what needs to be done and let them know you are busy at the moment, but you're happy to take care of them uh, that day as soon as you have a moment. And so it's if it's appropriate, you might even want to offer for them to have a seat and wait and you will take care of it as soon as you can. Obviously, if they don't want to, if other things to do, then then by all means, they're welcome to leave and do those things. We're trying to accommodate them. But if it's convenient for them to be able to have a seat and wait for you, even if it puts a little pressure on you, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Admittedly, 
This can affect your workload because the time in between patients one and two could have been used for other things such as messages, paperwork, or even just to catch your breath and take a moment to sit down. But this is the sacrifice that we must make to provide the next level service. I understand it's not ideal, but you know, we're, this is what we're trying to do to go to the next level and, and, and be, get to give the best service that we can. In part one, we briefly discussed the importance of listening and not just hearing, as well as not interrupting patients, even if you know what they're going to say. There are certain words that we hear that will immediately trigger a certain response from staff, often because most of the time when we hear these certain words are said by a patient, it usually ends up being related to a specific area or department or whatever it may be, something that just triggers it that you're just assuming that they're going to need. Uh, and you just kind of go from there and don't and don't let them and don't let them finish. Again, this seems like such a simple thing to do to just let the patient finish speaking before responding, but it's surprising how often somebody doesn't do this. I see it all the time. And you know, it's it's it can be quite difficult, even for myself. I mean, you hear them and you just you just know what they're gonna say. And maybe you do, maybe you don't. But that's not the point. The point is you give them good service, you're gonna let them finish talking and hear them out and hear what they have to say to make sure you have all the right information and also to just give them a moment to speak their mind and then address them from that point. When it comes to interacting with what we deem to be quote unquote difficult patients. It's also very easy to let our emotions control our actions, particularly when a specific patient is considered to be quote unquote needy or annoying because of the questions they ask or the requests that they make. This, is, this can often be one of the most difficult parts of customer service as not only are we usually very busy, we feel very justified in shortchanging the patient and giving them the bare minimum because we feel they are unnecessarily wasting our time. I think these are normal thoughts. I don't think uh, you're a bad person if you have them. I have them as well. I think most people do. It's okay because, you know, it's a unique situation and you have a lot on your plate. But, you know, your thoughts are one thing, but how you act and what you, you know, whether if you can get yourself to the point, you know, to calm down and realize I really truly want to help this patient, uh, it can help a long ways mentally and with your actions as well. These are the moments that matter the most, because if you can give next level service at this moment, you can give it at any time. We will encounter basically every single type of person and personality you can think of. And it's our job to ensure that we treat them all the same level with all the same level of respect. However, the approaches we take to communicating with them can vary and that's okay. For instance, if a patient that is very long winded uh, and tends to give very long rambling explanations for any questions uh, I ask, then I might take the approach of letting them explain more. But I may minimize the amount of follow-up questions I ask or the amount of small talk that I exchange with them. It is important to note that I will do everything possible to let them finish their explanations, possibly even ask follow-up questions, even though it will likely add you know, to the dialogue or to their monologue or to their explanation. So they are very aware that I'm actually interested in what they have to say and I'm not just trying to rush them or get them off the phone or out of the clinic or whatever it may be. That's the most important component here. You, you don't want to, you don't want them to feel rushed to get off the phone or get out of the clinic. Even if you're very busy, the idea is, you know, their time is important. What they have to say is important. You want to focus on them at that moment. 
If I'm rooming a patient and they give me a long explanation for their reason for visit, occasionally I will even tell them, uh, I would love to hear more about this. However, I'm going to let the provider come in. And so the idea is so I don't take any more of their of their visit time and so they don't have to repeat the information again to the provider. And I will gladly tell them that uh, straight straight up. And usually they appreciate it. Uh, the idea is to, you know, frame it in a way that it's to benefit them, because really it is. I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of times I would love to hear what they're going to say, but it's just not a good use of time. Uh, and it's not necessary for me to hear when they're going to have to tell the provider again. In our minds. It's easy to think that we don't have time for their explanation and to look for the quickest way to get out of the room. But believe me, even if the patient doesn't call you out for to put you on the spot, they understand the social cues and they know what you are doing and this will affect your future interactions with them. I can assure you, they know what's happening. They may not tell you, they may not acknowledge it, but they may not even notice it right away, but in, they will realize what's happening and how you're treating them and you're just trying to get out of the room and it makes them feel a certain way it makes them feel can make them feel disrespected or or rushed or whatever and we want to make sure we're not doing that i would like to describe a situation to you and and picture how this plays out in regards to being to being a patient and letting the patient vent or speak their mind and how it can save you time and energy in the long run so imagine having a patient that is on several chronic medications. They're constantly calling about refills or to switch pharmacies, etc., and inquiring about the same issues repeatedly with a very long explanation every time. They are new to you, but have a patient been, been a patient at that clinic for some time. For the first few calls, you do what the previous people likely have done. You take her call, attempt to rush her, attempt to rush them off the phone and ask and not ask for details or put much effort into what they are asking. <clears throat> Excuse me, possibly even just forwarding a basic message to the provider without much research or detail as you don't want to spend too much time on this. But the provider is just going to advise the patient to make an appointment or on the chance the provider won't actually use the details that you provide. Say on the third phone interaction, with this patient, you decide to take a different approach and listen intently. Ask follow-up questions and actually spend time looking into what they have asked of you. And note, at no point did I mention that you bother the provider uh, with what they are asking unless it's absolutely necessary. The idea is for us to take initiative and, and do as much as we can. A lot of the requests that they mentioned may or may not have been uh, looked into by another MA or provider or another staff member in the past. But that's beside the point. You are going to go the extra mile and do everything in your power to help this patient, regardless of what has been what has happened previously, even if it means you're doing some of the same work, just to make sure that you can cross your T's and dot your I's and make sure that you know you haven't missed anything. The conversation alone may take 10, 15, or 20 minutes, which really is an eternity when you have patients scheduled all day. But the trick is to make the call when you have a moment to spare and to take the time to hear them out or to let another MA know to please cover for you in case you're on the phone too long and something comes up. You could even let your provider know, hey, if I get, you know, I may, I may be a little tied up on this phone call if something comes up. Um, but if you have patients coming, you want to make sure you have a backup plan for that as well. A lot of times I'll make these calls on my lunch or just before, or just after lunch, or even at the end of the day, or if I have some no-show patients or something like that throughout the day.
So I make sure that I don't have to rush them off the phone, at least to any, any rude extent. Now say they're mentioning other issues that appear to be chronic that have been addressed. In, a, in addition to asking about an early refill on, on controlled substances, as well as reminiscing about their overall medical history, you listen to everything they have to say, you ask follow-up questions, and you make small talk. You know, you, you have a standard conversation with them and you actually, you know, show interest in, in, and enjoy the conversation. Once the phone call ends, usually on a good note, since you have been patient with them, you have to spend another 30 minutes over the course of the rest of the day, possibly into the following day, if it can wait, to finalize what they are asking for. From the outside perspective, this seems just ludicrous to spend so much time and attention on something that has likely been addressed in the past. But you go through the process anyways, making any necessary phone calls, researching previous records, calling the patient back for more information if necessary, you know, and so on and so forth. Likely you will need to send at least one message to the provider asking them for final approval on a request the patient has or to ask if something is appropriate. Now, eventually you've done the legwork, the research, and spent the time to handle this patient's concerns. The big moment comes when you call them to inform them about what the conclusion is and what you can do for them. Several reactions can happen here. The patient can be upset if you were not able to get the specific resolution they were hoping for, or the patient is very grateful for the time that you have taken with them and appreciates your efforts to address their concern and happy that you were able to resolve it to their satisfaction. Or that even if you are not able to get them what they were hoping for, they will appreciate your time and attention to what they were requesting. I can tell you from my experience that your efforts won't go unnoticed, even if the conclusion is not what they were hoping for. At the moment, they might be frustrated, but I, I can tell you from experience over years and years of doing this that they don't, it, it, they don't, uh, it, it doesn't escape them the effort that you put into it. They ultimately do realize it. Now say you jump to the near future. The patient calls again about either similar issues or something different. The conversation is very likely to be similar as last time and the patient will probably ramble on again. But even so quickly after the last interaction, they know from their last experience that you care about what they are saying and your goal is to help them out not to just get them off the phone. It may not be obvious, but over but over time they will call and or message much less and the calls will get shorter. I'm not naive to the amount of time and work it will take to go the extra mile with every patient, but most patients will be routine and not take too much extra effort. And the awesome experience that they have at the clinic will spill over to future interactions and visits and the trust and rapport you build with all your patients over time will positively affect pretty much everything about your job. I can assure you of this. Not every patient, you know, is going to be perfect or work out this way, but most of them will. People are very reasonable, you know, for the most part, people get upset, people get angry, people are sad, people are sick. That's who we deal with in the medical field for the most part. They're very busy, they have their own lives. And yes, we have our, our system we have to work with and a schedule, at least in primary care. And so, you know, we have to work with it. But the idea here is to just show, you know, actually care about what they have to say and put an effort to fix their issues, not just pass it along to the next person. I know it's tempting to listen to this and to think, you know, this would never work with my provider or my patients or, or at my clinic. But I can tell you that I've used this approach with every provider and clinic I've worked at in 14 years and with thousands of patients, it has never failed me, not once. And we're talking 
a width of a spread of community health to concierge medicine to standard primary care to you know even a, sp a specialty for a period of time and urgent care this approach has worked everywhere with almost every patient it may not be so evident at the, right at the moment but i can assure you it will be and it will it will it will come back to you in a positive way significantly i've worked with the gamut of personalities uh, grumpy mean providers that are cold with their patients extremely fast providers that will even double book their patients as well as slower providers that are brand new and can cause frustration to patients for their long waits it even works when i'm covering a provider other than the one i'm assigned to now granted i'm not there for the long-term benefit but it's not uncommon for me to get multiple positive feedback comments from patients during that shift and that is to me says a lot these patients don't even know me and they're giving me this direct feedback about what how they appreciate about how i'm handling their concern that is just says volumes to me about what they're you know about the positive effect that it's having on them it's important to note here, I want to note that I'm nobody special. I in no way intend to insinuate that my way is the best way or that other MAs can't or don't go the extra mile for all their patients. I can proudly tell you that I have a large, that a large part of why I am the way I am is because of coworkers I have had over the years that have exemplified next level care. We are all capable of stepping up, but it takes a desire to go to the best to give the best possible service, a willingness to sacrifice some of our convenience to offer the patient more, and the ability to manage our daily schedules and ensure the most efficient use of our time. I implore you to be an example to those around you. Go the extra mile. Make it your goal every day to make a patient's day better. Make it a special goal to assist a dissatisfied patient and to not only appease them, but to actually turn their interaction into a positive experience. It, it really it will make you feel good. It'll make you them feel good. It'll do wonders for you. These are the things that we should strive for. And I promise you that it will ultimately make your career a more fun place to be, knowing that you're making a huge difference in somebody's day. So thank you so much. You know, this is the end of, of customer service and healthcare. It's a really important topic for me. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, and and any feedback or comments, you know, again, are welcome at next level medical assisting at outlook.com or on Twitter at NLMA under slash official, or you may leave a voice message for me at anchor.fm. I really appreciate it. I've gotten some feedback and it's just been spectacular. Uh, and it, it really gives me some you know motivation to go forward. And thank you for the listeners. Thank you for the people that have taken the time. Uh, and, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, if you enjoy this and you have friends that might enjoy it, please tell them. I strongly encourage you to do so. Uh, you know, I don't want people to listen, uh, you know, just because they're bored. I prefer they listen because they get something out of it. And so thank you very much for listening. And I will see you next episode. Thank you.